Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Dev Chen Symposium. I'm Yves Chen, and I'm Alex Severo. This is the place where interesting topics are discussed, ideas are examined, and culture are fused. All opinions are welcome, and we embrace beliefs from all walks of life, big or small. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Devchen Symposium, and this is week twelve. Yeah, I can't believe it's already been twelve weeks since we started this, and it's really wonderful in terms of the topics we've been able to discuss so far. And we look forward to making new episodes, and we hope to get to week twenty-five. Actually, to week fifty. That'll be a major. A week one hundred. We have、yeah. to celebrate it when we are like week fifty, right?、Yeah. Week twelve.、Uh, yeah, week twenty we can celebrate, and then week. Fifty,、uh, we can celebrate, and of course, week one hundred. And then there's this one statistic is talking about, you know, averagely the podcast can only alive for eleven episode. Wow.、Mm-hmm. So we already made it through. Yep. Until we end up canceling on the fourteenth. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, does that not happen? We're gonna live to podcast episode one hundred. Let's、yep. trust each other. Yeah. So、um, today I was really spontaneous, and then I think today's topic should be how to tell your story. The reason why I want to do this is I was really inspired by one of my professors. So I'm doing Master of Communication in Northwestern University. One of my professors, she's also a、um, great lecturer at Kellogg Management School. So she teaches leadership. One of the major thing is how to tell your story, and in the story, not in terms of where you're from and what is your geographical location, what socioeconomic status you have, but it's more about what life instance and experience that you had, and what make you you, what make you special,、mm-hmm. and also, of course, in relation to leadership in some organizational settings as well as、uh, societal settings, companies, startup, freelance, and network. So. There are a lot of scope that we can just decompose, and also at the same time, as we're examining basic leadership qualities and trying to discover your story and who you are, it's also teaching you about a sense of value for yourself. It's the sort of thing where you look at yourself in a particular kind of way and say that I matter, and the things that I do in my life really matter to me. It helps you develop a sense of self confidence at the end of the day as well.、Mm-hmm, definitely, and I think before, to be honest, Alex, before enrolling this program, I was like,、mm, leadership that is so abstract. What am I going <laughs> to learn? Right? Like,、yeah. how could they decompose those super big topic into something tangible that we can actually benefit from it? And I was actually having some doubt about this program, but I think so far、uh, we are on week. For in my program, and I do feel、um, whenever she speaks, it's just very gracefully and very、mm-hmm. elegantly, but project a lot of intellectual and then solid, valid statement.、Yeah. It's crazy,、um, and I think I learn more from her than maybe learn from a class.、Really? So yeah. So、wow. just by looking at her, it's just like a very wonderful example of storytelling,、mm-hmm. and she just showed me. A episode of Obama's speech yesterday,、mm-hmm. and as we know, like Obama, he is also a very good one in terms of providing details and vivid, really vivid scenario in order to prove a point.、Mm-hmm. And in terms of like the littlest story and the biggest story, the littlest story in terms of the anecdotes and also the instance in your life that is very interesting and hook people in, hook people's、mm-hmm. attention in. 
and that will be related to the big S story, which is value, goal, what you believe in, and what statement that you want to make in front of your friend or in a company or a group or um, a team.、Mm, very much so. And the thing about telling these kinds of stories and creating these narratives in a very convincing way and kind of way that people want to listen to. That's actually the key to a lot of politics. A lot of politicians out there, when they're on the campaign、oh, yeah. trail, they、mm. always tell these little stories to connect with the voting base.、Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll talk about their parents. Sometimes they'll talk about their experiences in the military. You have a few mil- ex-military individuals become politicians, and then you also tell about people who have immigrant backgrounds, who parents immigrated from another country into the United States. They worked hard from the ground up to build this sort of American dream. Everyone. Tries to play into that to create this sort of sympathetic view, or to create this sort of individual where people will say, "Okay, this person not, understands what I do; they understand what I need, and they're willing、mm-hmm. to give that to me if I were to vote for them."、And、exactly. Just certain things like that, and in other circumstances、right. as well within business, when you have a leader, or a CEO, or a CFO, or a manager who very much understands the conditions of The workers or understands the condition of the people who are.、Uh, I want to use the word subordinate to him. Then you essentially have a leader that a lot of people can back behind and sort of look up to and say, like, okay, this person is entirely out to help me. This person is entirely out to do the best for me, and I'm willing to trust this individual. I may not necessarily like the individual, but I'm willing to trust <laughs> them to know <laughs> that they are trying to do the best job that they can do. Mm, definitely,、um, I totally relate to it. So, one question for you, Alex. And I know you're a storyteller as a writer. <laughs> what kind of of、uh, strategies or tips or methodologies or theories, whatever it is, that you have for your story creating process? Oh, I knew this question was gonna come. No、up. pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Well, I gotta say. This、If、is also very early for Alex because it's、oh. at his time, eight a.m. in the morning. So yeah,、<laughs> oh. are you prepared for this deep question? Well, of course I am. I had a nice cup of tea, a couple slices of protein, and a nice piece of fruit. As far as energy is concerned, I have all the energy in the world. Might as well be bouncing off the walls.、Uh, but going back to the question at hand, which is all about writing and storytelling, basically in Western storytelling traditions. It all goes back to three act structures. That's the one thing we are always、mm. sort of taught to appreciate, and we all sort of instinctually learn at the end of the day, whether it's through like plays, films, songs, or telling a story within a political sphere or within a certain circumstance. You start out with the beginning to set it up, then you go into the meat of what the story is. And then you have the end of the story, which delivers a good payout. In many ways, it's sort of the same thing that stand-up comics do when they're telling their jokes. It's like they、mm-hmm. establish a certain problem that they have, a certain angst that they have. They go into a little anecdote of a story that relates to that, and then they, in, essentially, by the third act of the story, they really go into the emotions and they draw parallels between the、um, uh, issue that they have a difficulty with. And the emotions that they feel at that moment in that story,、mm-hmm. and essentially, there's a lot of stuff that gets involved with that. And、mm-hmm. also, at the end of the day, it's how you tell it. It's very much according to body language, 
according to your facial recognition and facial cues and everything like that. And it's all about just essentially what the audience expects out of you as well. Because mm. what the audience expects and what the people expect will determine whether they like your material or not. Mm. It's like if you were to go to, I want to say, like Carnegie Hall, and mm -hmm. you're doing stand-up comedy that's of a rather crude nature in front of a lot of New York elite that expect uh, operatics, or they expect a little bit more wit and sophistication a little bit. When you're, If you're saying crude jokes to a sophisticated audience, the audience may say, oh, why the heck are we wasting our time with this? This is awful. <laughs> Totally. No, I really, really relate to that because it's always about what audience that you project your story to and then how to tell it. For example, you know, story is very, um, it's not very like objective. It's very subjective. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on which audience that you project your story to and then you tone your gestures, your eye contact. And actually, there are a lot of extensive research scientifically mm -hmm. into proving that point. For example, there are a lot of crossover psychology, sociology, and linguistic research in the mm -hmm. academic field. They were talking about the specific pitch, pace, tone, the pacing of the entire speech. So, like, they really break it down into very specific details and give you scientific proof of why specific tone will maybe, like, grab audience attention a little bit more mm -hmm. for example the same story that you can tell in a totally different way and it depends on the specific ambience that you created the reaction will be totally different mm -hmm. um and it applies to everything you know news um podcast of course yeah. <laughs> and um newspaper like host people in the television Inherently, there are a lot of organizational politics play into it. Um, but oh, yeah. the point here is how you tell your story. For example, podcast, right? We're telling this how to tell your story in a very sincere, convincing way. But it mm -hmm. could sound like very whack on the other way. I was like, what are yeah. you guys talking about? <laughs> this is start, what a start, you know? So it's like really depends on how you really decompose it and how you tell your story. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And I think at the end of the day, too, it's all about finding those stories that you want people to know or you think the people can relate to, but also a story that you value that shows a part of yourself that you want people to see. Because really, you got, you got to remember at the end of the day, when you're telling these stories, these are extensions of yourself. They're extensions of who you are. They're extensions of the kind of person that you are. And how you tell them, how you go about telling them, is essentially going to determine how people are going to look at you. And that's why it's really important for you to get your own narrative correct and to create a narrative that shows the best qualities that are within you or the qualities that you think are the best about you that you know mm -hmm. people will appreciate. Definitely, definitely. And those tells a lot. So mm -hmm. um, before we dive into the specific gist of it, we already established a broader significance for storytelling. So let's now get into the specific tactics. So... There are a lot of instances and anecdotes happening maybe every single day. How to pick the right anecdote or storytelling to portray your energy or traits. And then how to use it smartly. For example, in the networking events. For example, in a daily friendly conversation or in a leadership team situation. Um, so here, let me just use again another example from a professor. She literally told us yesterday about a story that she always, not always, but sometimes tell whenever her team or the company suffer a really big challenge. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the story of her mom. So her mom got um cancer. Cancer. Like yes, a while ago. Uh, of course, she's very worried, and she and her brother sitting outside of the surgery room, and then the nurse walk out and take him into the private room. And you know, like if the surgery, we know if. It ends a little bit early, and then there is somebody walking out to take into the private room. That means something that's going well. So mm-hmm. the nurse literally tell her that, "Hey, like it's there's nothing we can do, and there are maximum two years that your mom can live." So she was really like desperate. And、uh, after telling her, she went back to the room, and then seeing her mom was like very actually relaxing and cheerful, lying on the bed. And her mom was say, "I feel so grateful that at that moment I can be." With the sunshine and maybe with the closest kids, the people I love, but not just by myself.、Mm. And she got really surprised. They're like, "Why? This is why you're talking about this right now?" And this is a, supposed to be a very desperate moment.、Um, and my mom like, "I wish we can have champagne. Let's、mm. toast, <laughs> you know." And then she never、uh, like, "What's going on?" But she like, you know, went out and get a champagne anyway. So they toast, and then her mom said, "To life." So at that moment, she's very, very, very touched and cheerful. It's kind of like one instant for a hundred fathering instants that her mom and the whole family shows resilience and、mm-hmm. about appreciation for life and about having a such broad attitude and great mindset in terms of difficulty.、Mm-hmm. And of course, it's not just being cheesy. It's not. Not just about like life and death situation anecdote, but it's more about the bigger story that she wanted to tell. Resilient, yeah. And let's imagine that if she told the whole story to her team whenever the company was suffering from like a big financial crisis or whatever,、mm-hmm. um, it also tells a lot. She as a person, as a leader, right? Oh yeah. Because her mom, that is just one little instant. Maybe in other like a thousand instant may influence her in a lot of way. So she kind of like transcend this resilient quality from her mom, and、mm-hmm. you know potentially will lead the company out of the dilemma. Oh yeah. So yeah, that is just one example、um, of like a really recently successful storytelling that I heard. What do you think? How do you、I、like? I think it's really good. And to give an example of how. I could respond to that because a lot of time when one person tells a story, another person may want to tell a story as well in response to that to sort of connect it and continue the narrative. This is a story that I have that's very similar to that. When my grandmother was dying of、uh, gallbladder cancer at the age of eighty-seven,、mm-hmm. this is back in twenty seventeen. She was essentially in a, I think she was in a nursing home slash hospital. With a lot of different amenities, and they had their own pools, walking areas, and so forth. So she really had a great life at that location. She would be sometimes she would be lying there in her bed, or they would have an air mattress where she would be lying down because she was getting very weak at this point. But there was one thing that she essentially told my father, and he he essentially said, "Look, this is the last lap." You're going to pass away soon. Everything is going to come to a head. Is there anything that you really want? And she said, "Yeah, Jack Daniels."、And、he said, "What?" <laughs> He's, "Yeah, I want some Jack Daniels. I、oh, want a、wow. Manhattan or something like that." And he said, "Well, I'm not sure about the Manhattan, but I'll see what I can do about the Jack Daniels." So, my father and I we went all the way down to the grocery store, which is at the base of the hill, and we bought a couple of Jack Daniels. We bought a couple of like gins and everything like that. Went back up, and my grandmother. <laughs> Had a last Jack Daniels, and back in the day, before she had my father and everyone, she was 
always very sociable. She mm. always would go to like cocktail parties, drink Manhattans and Jack Daniels and have mm. all that kinds of stuff with my grandfather. Mm. And this was her kind of way of saying, okay, this is the last drink that I may ever have, the last drink that I would want to have before I end up uh, kicking the can, essentially. And what's really interesting, though, is as she's sort of taking this last lap, as she's sort of going through this last motion, my aunt was dying of breast cancer, and she was 45 at the time when she was mm -hmm. going through this very tumultuous program, well, essentially going through this very tumultuous uh, period, because... Essentially, what happened was with the kind of breast cancer that she had it was like stage four, and she had tumors within her head. I think she had something like 30 tumors within her mind. They had to mm -hmm. keep her head shut together with staples mm -hmm. to sort of keep everything intact. And my mom would always call my grandmother, and she would be saying, this is such a horrible thing. I'm so happy you're able to hear this and talk about this, but I'm so sorry to have to burden you like this. And my grandmother would say, well, look, 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 I've had my life. I'm 87. I've had my life. You still have a life to live. And your sister had a life to live as well. And this is still a very hard time. But just know that you can always talk to me about this, that there's an, that you essentially have an ear, someone you can talk to. Mm. And that was all, all essentially... That's essentially my grandmother in a nutshell. She was very elegant. She knew when to have fun. And right until her dying days, she essentially would enjoy the simple pleasures of life and mm. always enjoy just taking things one step at a time. Mm. Definitely. Those are really good story. I mean, this is just like a tipping point of it because you have always tell me a lot of really interesting stories. <laughs> um, and then those are really interesting things to share or like just to touch upon um, in a sort of other you know sit situations because there's a broader point that you want to make mm -hmm. and in terms of the specific tactic for storytelling it's always connect to the bigger value and then the bigger um, theme mm -hmm. because when we meet each other it's about I want to know you besides your beautiful resume or um, <laughs> the 10 different titles that you have or like the three amazing ivy league school that you graduate from mm -hmm. and for me personally i do feel like people in the society right now would so love to give each other the label oh yes and everything label i mean of course label is a good way to distinguish one another mm -hmm. but label are discrete yeah. little elements that put on your body mm -hmm. but your soul and your goal determine you as a holistic person oh, and i yes. think that is specifically so important for people nowadays to establish yes and also at the same time when you label someone and when you sort of assume things this is why i always never really enjoyed assumptions too much is mm -hmm. when people assume they tend to already categorize a person in a particular way and exactly. expect a certain thing Mm. And when they're wrong, they get angry, confused, mm -hmm. or sad. When they're right, then you essentially are locked in to a particular formula. It's like mm. if you're a train. It's a dead loop. You're, how about, what do you say? It's a dead loop. Yeah, and locked in that loop. Exactly. And you're locked into that track and you're going in a circle or in a hamster wheel going over and over and over again. And there's no possibility of getting out of there unless you have someone who really wants to see you out of the hamster wheel crawling about on the floor. Mm, definitely 
those are really, really important topic. And there's exercise that I was doing before. So we, as a group of four, and we tell each other specific stories, but in terms of like a very detail-driven, ambience-driven, scenario-driven, just basically vividly present that story and then connect to a bitter theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so I told a story of, I don't know whether I mentioned this in my podcast or not about the paper that mm-hmm. I think I told you. So let me rephrase the story <laughs> right here. So these days, ladies and gentlemen, I'm moving, right? I'm like crazy. So yeah. as I was basically, um, having all my glove and like my pajama set it up and then like do some dirty work and dig it off a lot of the old paperwork that I used to do, I find out this paper is in the middle of a lot of like high school planning calendar, whatever that I have. And then. That specific paper just jogged my memory for three years, four years ago. So I was in high school, right? And you know, high school kids are very, very toxic. Mm-hmm. There's one this chill, really afternoon. I was on my desk. I was jogging down all the wonderful, interesting idea that I have because I love to think broad. I love to dream big. So I was mm-hmm. talking about, hey, I want to um, do dance. It's before that I even started doing like dance related anything. It's before anything. Mm-hmm. I said I want to dance and I want to like bring um, the, the dance to the world and I want to go to specific studios. I want to collab with da 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 artists. I want to hopefully sign an agents like bring out real interesting visual elements into it. So it's like a diagram it's like a brainstorm diagram that i was just following up with my vision it's nothing just i never thought about that will like exist or realize at some point after that um as i mentioned high school kids are very toxic so in this launch break when i was not in a high not not in a classroom there is one really naughty annoying guy um randomly found that paper and then he read the whole paper into the whole classroom and then everyone just make fun of me and mm. no matter yeah no wonder how that i went back to to turn back to the classroom that everyone is looking at me so weirdly and it's until like i don't know two years ago there's a close friend of mine tell me but i wouldn't mind at that time so mm-hmm. when i dig it out all my like high school calendar i found that paper and i started reading everything on that paper and guess what? Everything on that paper is actually realized. Wow. Unconsciously. Yeah. About, you know, like it's before that I even started dancing. I know I always loved dancing, but mm-hmm. my dad always kind of like pushed me to going more of an academic world. And I only started dancing professionally two years ago. And mm-hmm. now actually everything on that paper was realizing and I was doing it. Wow. So my point here is just... Me as a person, I always live with my vision. And there's nothing according to the social normal category saying it's good. It's according to my vision and it's broader, it's bigger. And then don't feel afraid to dream big and be bold. Mm-hmm. That's something I think it's a very lifelong value that I carry with me. Oh, yes. I always love hearing that story, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, and that's a clear example of a Great storytelling right there in terms of getting the point across something that everyone can relate to and something that everyone can essentially take and apply to themselves as well. And I know for a fact that there was another story that's very similar to that about a comedian named Steve Harvey. Did I ever tell you the story of Steve Harvey and how he wrote something down on a paper as well? Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Oh, This one is a wonderful story. You can find it on YouTube. And mm. Essentially, for Steve Harvey... This was 
a joke that he did or a stand-up gig that he did at uh, the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. You can find the video on YouTube. And he was essentially talking about how his father was his biggest supporter and how his father surprised him one day. Mm-hmm. And at school, Steve Harvey wasn't the richest kid on the block. He had a lot of hand-me-down clothes. He walked. He stood with a uh, a curve in his spine and he always spoke with a stutter. And... What essentially happened that day in class, the assignment that the teacher gave to everyone was write down on a piece of paper what you wanted to be. And Steve Harvey wrote, I want to be on TV. Mm-hmm. And everybody else wants to be a basketball player, a football player, a doctor, or a dentist, or something like that. And then the teacher looks at Steve Harvey's paper and singles out Steve Harvey, says, Steve, stand up. Steve Harvey stands up. And the teacher asks, what did you write on your paper? Steve said, I want to be on TV. The teacher asked him, well, why did you write that on the paper? And Steve said, because that was our assignment for today. <laughs> and then the teacher said, well, why would you write something like that on the paper? And then the next thing you know, she's yelling at him, saying like, do you know anybody on TV? Nobody in your school is on TV. He, I'm going to pin this paper on you. I'm going to pin a note on you. And I'm going to call your mother so you can't take it off. And you're going to tell your parents exactly what you did. So Steve Harvey oh, wow. comes home. His mother yells at him for writing that sort of thing on the paper saying like, why would you write? We want to be on TV on the paper and everything. And then I'm going to tell your dad when he comes home. And at this point, Steve Harvey is scared because his dad is the enforcer of the family. He's, and this was at a time where I think it was just like disciplining a child in a physical way was accepted. So father comes home, Steve sort of gets his paper, father's finished eating. And he turns to Steve and says, look, Steve, what did you write on? Why is why do you have a note? Why is there a note on you? And Steve said, it, it because I wrote on paper I want to be on TV. And the father says, why'd you write that on the paper? And Steve says, because that was what the teacher taught us. Teacher asked what we wanted to be, and I put that on the paper. Of course, mm-hmm. his mother's saying, like, like, well, look, just beat him. He has no business writing that on the paper. And the father says, like, wait, so you wrote you wanted to be on TV on the paper? And Steve said, yeah, I, I want to be on TV. And mm-hmm. then Steve's Steve Harvey's father turns to everyone and says, like, well, what's wrong with that? And then mm-hmm. mom says, just as saying, well, look, that's not what he's supposed to write on the paper. And then the father says, like, well, look, he can write he wanted to be on TV on the paper if he wanted to. No, he can't. He has to write what the teacher wants him to write. And then Steve Harvey's father says, like, okay, go on in your room. I'm going to go in there a little bit later. And then the father sits down with Steve Harvey and tells him, well, look, what does the teacher want you to write on the paper? Steve Harvey says, well, baseball player, basketball player, a doctor, a dentist, like what all the other kids wrote. And then the father says, well, look, take a piece of paper, write that stuff on the paper, and then give it to that teacher. Take that paper that says, I want to be on TV, put it in your top drawer, and every day when you wake up, I want you to read that paper. Every night when you go to bed, I want you to read that paper. And years later, as Steve, after Steve Harvey went through a whole odyssey of just living in a car uh, cleaning himself in hotel bathrooms, doing stand-up. He ended up appearing at Showtime of the Apollo to a standing ovation, and mm-hmm. he ended up being on TV. Mm-hmm. And now in his own words, he says he's on TV seven days a week. And that's all because his <laughs> father told him to keep that paper, and you write it mm-hmm. on the paper, and you believe what's on the paper, and you want mm-hmm. it to be true. That's such a good story. The way you tell it, Ezra, is very good. Like we can clearly see your great storyteller. Oh, thank you. Well, I think all the credit goes to Steve Harvey, though. If it wasn't for him, 
right. telling the story. We should tag Steve Harvey right here. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we should. We should definitely provide a link or maybe shout out to him on social media. I'd love to be able to talk with him a little bit further about this sort of thing. Exactly. The way you phrase it and then the detail and also the image and the visual, it's very vivid. So as an audience, I feel like I'm in part of your story. And, you know, always those like little seemingly really random stuff actually is more powerful than a big granular skin that you provide saying, I dream big. When I was little, I always, you know, like the angle and the way you tell it's just so diff- so so important, which connect to our previous point. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Um, and then connected this story to a lot of the, your social events or when you do applications or when you have to pitch something to other people, it's always about storytelling. Oh, yeah. So after seeing like your uh, wonderful golden resume about your great, amazing work that you did. (laughs) What else will differentiate you from other people? It's Mm -hmm. about your soul. It's about your goal. It's about your storytelling. It's about your value. So I think those are inherently so, so, so important. That will be super helpful for your entire life. So I highly encourage everyone to, after this episode, think about what's your story and how you in the previous instance, use your storytelling in a social events or applications or networking or team leadership, whatever. And then think about it, set it through and think, how can we do it better? Yes. So one question I want to ask you, Eve, is a pretty, I'm not sure if it's a simple question or complex questions. I mean, I think a lot of those things tend to be mixed. But in this case, when you're crafting a story and you're establishing your own narrative, how important is it that you decide what what kind of person you want to be? Do you think in the stories you tell, that helps you shape the person that you want to be? For example, when you're telling one story and you end up telling it to people, you may feel that, okay, this isn't who I am. And then when you meet another person, you may change the story. Do you think that applies to a lot of people? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I get where you're coming from. So I feel like as one person, there are so many different facades and so many side of personality of this person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, really depends on what specific situation and scenario that you were in and who is your audience again, connecting those different elements all together, then you decide which story that you want to tell and then what personality that you want to emphasize. Mm. But at the end of the world, all the stories and all the personality, there are part of the traits in you. Mm. And of course, when you hear one trait from somebody, it will be like, wow, okay, fantastic. I'm really impressed by that. And then that specific trait got really pronounced. But I think that person will also understand there are so many other qualities that could be later on developed or explored after knowing this person a little bit more. Mm. So back to your question, yes, I do think in terms of different situations and different scenarios, you choose different story and then different point to focus on. And then after grabbing that initial attention, of course, you can go ahead and extend your a lot of five other stories mm. and you will portray a more even holistic view of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the main reason I want to ask that is because a lot of human beings out there, a lot of people out there, are very multifaceted. It's mm-hmm. like you said, we have multiple facades, we have mm-hmm. different masks, and some people may say we're sort of Janus-faced or two-faced a little bit. Mm-hmm. But in many ways, 
each one of the different faces that we adopt is an extension of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And essentially, we have so many different, like, excuse me, so many different sides of ourselves that each one of those sides is who we are. So, for mm-hmm. example, I could be angry, I could be sad, I could be happy, I could be depressed, but these are all still going to be me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Or I could be talking about A, I could be talking about B, but those are both going to be extensions of myself at the end of the day as well. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, maybe sometimes if you're trying to get to know a person, either in a romantic sense or a friendship sense, you need to choose one of those sides and get to know the person through that lens. And mm-hmm. then you sort of reveal more and more and more about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that with one person I was talking to recently, I we talked over uh, Zoom a couple of times. She was a very nice person, very patient person, very religious. Mm-hmm. But the first time we talked, we we're trying to talk about a couple of different things. We connected through religion. Mm-hmm. We connected through writing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then the next time I spoke to her... We ended up trying to talk about traveling and Ecuador mm. and things like that. But she did not enjoy talking about that whatsoever because her experiences mm-hmm. traveling to that region of the world were very negative, I have to say. But there's a long story with that one. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, oh, it's just became rather awkward at the end of the day. So when you first start, you have one side of yourself that you're putting out there. And then the next side you put out could be a dud. Well, the next side that you put out there could actually close the door a little bit. Or maybe at the end of the day, you end up talking so much that you end up being one of those people that they write songs about. I know Carly Simon has a song called You're So Vain. Maybe you could be the subject of that or The Mm. King of Anything by Sarah Bareilles. Mm. You Mm. could be the subject of that as well. But it really just depends on, like you said, the audience. It depends on where you are and who you are. Yeah, definitely. Totally. And I dare a lot more just to decompose. Yeah, so there are a lot more to decompose in terms of the topic. Uh, so today we just give a really interesting prelude. So whenever you have a time, think about your story, your life experience, and how that will benefit inherently in your organizational behavior, your team member leadership, or your application process, or your daily social events. Um, those are very interesting just to keep in mind. And then those are lifelong lessons to learn. Oh, yes. And be sure to reach out to us on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. You'll just listen to the rest of our podcast on each of those platforms, as well as visit our social media profiles on Facebook, Instagram. Hope to see you all soon. See you all soon. Have a great weekend. Bye bye, guys. See you next time.